book of Judges, chapter number 12. Judges, chapter number 12, verse number 4 through verse number 6. Judges 12, verse number 4. If you found it, say amen. It's not very convincing, so I'm going to give you just a second or two more. If you found it, say praise the Lord. There we go. Judges 12 and 4. Then Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim and the men of Gilead smoke Ephraim because they said ye Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassehites and the Gileadites took the passages of Jordan before the Ephraimites and it was so that when those Ephraimites which were escaped said, Let me go over, that the men of Gilead said unto him, Art thou an Ephraimite? If he said nay, then said they unto him, Say now Shibboleth. And he said Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and slew him at the passages of Jordan. And there fell at that time of the Ephraimites forty and two thousand. Forty two thousand. I want to preach for a little while about infiltrators of the soul. God, I pray you help me to preach. I ask you, Lord, to speak to this congregation, our members and our guests, God. Help us to hear your word and to apply it. God, I'm not asking you to help me give a speech. I'm asking for you to anoint me to preach your word. I ask you, God, to anoint me, Lord Jesus, to speak to this beautiful congregation of people. Let the seed of your word find good ground today, God, and let it bring forth fruit to harvest in our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. God bless you. Early this morning, I was praying about this particular service. And while preparing, the Lord began to, I felt like it was the Lord began to deal with me about some people that I may be preaching to this morning. I asked the Lord to help me reach for them. And the thought came to me, and I don't know if it was the Lord or if it was just me. I'm going to go ahead and put that out. But the word that, I, that came to my mind was, they are what they are. It worried me more than you might imagine. Because if it was the Lord, then it seemed as if God 
had accepted that some people were just going to be inconsistent and carnal and worldly. Almost as if he was saying, I can't do anything else with them. I don't want to live my life in such a way that God just accepts that I'll probably never change for the better. The book of Judges is a case study of inconsistency. In this book, there are 12 people that God raised up to what is known as judging Israel. Othaniel and Ehud and Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzon, Elon, Abdon, and Samson. The 12 primary judges of Israel. This, the setting of this book is between the conquest of Canaan and the period of the kings where there was no central government for Israel. There was no one who had the final say. The judges were not judges in the sense that we think today. They were not people who sat with black robes and decided disputes and disagreements and adjudicated justice. These judges were people who served roles as military leaders in times of crisis. In these times when the enemy would come against Israel, God would raise up what he called a judge who would rally the people and rally the military and fight for the people's sake. These times of crisis often came because of the way that Israel chose to serve the Lord. Notice what God said in Judges chapter number 2 and verses 16 and 17. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandment of the Lord, but they did not so. From the book of Judges emerges a pattern that is still common often among some in the church. There would be a period of peace in time of peace, they would eventually grow spiritually cold. They would become worldly and carnal and distant from God. The enemy would take advantage of their weakness and trouble them. And they would find themselves under the control of an enemy army. And then they would cry and weep and pray to God. And God would raise up a deliverer a judge, if you will, to bring them out of their bondage. And then they would have another period of peace. And in time, they'd grow spiritually cold and worldly and distant. And then an enemy would be raised up. And God then, by virtue of that enemy, would bring Israel to repentance. Repentance. 
And then when they would repent, God would raise up a judge. And they would deliver them and they'd have a period of peace. And then in time, they would grow spiritually. You get the picture? The book of Judges is a series of cycles of people who are blessed by God, but then take it for granted and drift away from God, only to have an enemy come and remind them how badly they need God. And then they would repent, and this cycle repeated itself over and over for the entire book of Judges. I'll tell you this morning, there are some people who need a little bit of trouble in their life or they wouldn't serve God at all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all are excited we have an evangelist tonight, aren't you? There's some people that need a little bit of trouble. It's the struggle that keeps them focused on God. We can see it often in people when, we, when they have a little trouble in their life, they pray and they worship and they come to church and they serve God. And then when their life sort of levels off and the trouble goes away, they go away and they're unfaithful and inconsistent. They become carnal and worldly until another trouble raises up. There were several foreign enemies in the book of Judges. They fought the Philistines and the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Amalekites, the Mesopotamians, the Midianites. Some of them they fought multiple times. God was displeased with the way his people served him until the judges got them victory. They would go back to their worldly ways when things were peaceful only to bring their demise upon them. Y'all don't have to say amen, but it's still the truth. And so this cycle caused God to rethink his strategy for Israel. In Judges 2 and 19, it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. In following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. The Bible said that as long as they had a judge to keep them going, that they stayed right. But when the judge died, they corrupted themselves. It wasn't the enemy that corrupted them. It wasn't the devil that corrupted them. They corrupted themselves. They quit praying like they ought to pray. They quit worshiping like they ought to worship. They quit living like they ought to live. They quit serving God like they ought to serve Him. They corrupted themselves and followed not after God. So here's what God said. Verse, the next verse, verse 20. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And He said, because that this people have transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died. 
that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. God said, I had planned originally to drive the enemies out for them. I was going to drive the enemies out of the promised land and give them victory. But when I saw how they corrupted themselves and got worldly and carnal, I decided I'm not going to drive their enemies out anymore. I'm not going to drive them out. I'm going to use their enemies to prove them. Amen. Can I tell you, some people just can't handle blessings. Praise God. Some people can't handle blessings. They insist on going back to their old ways, their old habits, their old lifestyles. When they got trouble, they pray. When they got trouble, they shout. When they got trouble, they come to church. But when their trouble goes away, they go away. So God said, I'm not driving your enemies out anymore. I'm going to use your enemy to keep you stirred up to serve me. Some of you are praying things out of your life that God put there for a reason. Praise the Lord. There are some folks that their life, their life resembles the book of Judges. They allow, when everything is peaceful, they allow themselves to get spiritually lazy and unconcerned. And then in time, things begin to drift into their life. They allow the world to infiltrate their lifestyle. They get carnal and worldly. They find themselves under the control of an enemy. They get in such a mess, finally, that they cry out to God. And God sends them another dose of victory. And in that time of peace, instead of taking their spiritual life to another level, they eventually go right back to their old, unfaithful, sinful ways. And so God raises up another enemy to stir him up one more time. Amen. There's been some folks that I've prayed, God, I hope you come back when they're stirred up. Because if you give them just a little bit of time, they're not going to serve you for long. Wasn't it Brother Morell Cornwell that said he wanted to keep a sledgehammer in his pulpit? Because there's some people, he said, if they pray through, I'm just going to hit them in the head and kill them. He said, because if they ever turn around to walk away from the altar, they'll be backslid before they hit the front pew. That wasn't me. That was another preacher. I wouldn't do that. But there's some of us, if we don't have a little trouble stirring us up, we wouldn't live for God at all. Can I preach to you a little while? I basically, as pastor, filled the role of an evangelist now for several months because we've had so many new people coming in. And today, your evangelist pastor has become a pastor pastor. Because I'm preaching to some folks that we got to get a grip on some stuff in our life and make sure that we're living for God the way the Bible says to live for God. Because if we don't, God's going to have to raise something up in our life to stir us up one more time. God, I'd rather stir myself up to serve you than to have to have an enemy to stir me up, a problem to stir me up, a trial to stir me up. Help me stir myself to live holy 
when I'm not facing the devil so that when I come against the enemy, I'll be ready for trouble. Oh, God. We find in this particular passage of Scripture that I use for a text, we find a battle between the tribe of the, the, the clan of Gilead, which was a part of the tribe of Manasseh, and against them and the Ephraimites. This, there was a time in, this, in history where, the Je- where Jephthah and the Gileadites went to battle against the Ammonites, and they asked for the Ephraimites to help them, and they did not come to help. So the next time battle came, they didn't ask Ephraim to help. And now Ephraim's offended because they didn't ask help. So last time they asked for help, Ephraim didn't want to help. This time they didn't ask him for help, and he's offended because they didn't ask. You can't make some people happy no matter what you do. And so the Ephraimites said, well, if you don't want us to help, what we're going to do is work. They told Jephthah, they said, we're going to attack you in your house and we're going to destroy you. And it sparked a war between the Gileadites and the Ephraimites. And so they get in this battle. And somehow, a group of Ephraimites begin to live among the Gileadites. In the battle, when the battle went on, some of them left the war. And they're living now among the people from Gilead. And so the strategy becomes, if we somehow can get enough of our own people living inside among the Gileadites, then when the battle is raging, we'll not only be able to attack from outside, but we'll have enough on the inside that we can defeat them because we've got a stronghold on the inside. Let me tell you something. The enemy is not concerned with you being happy and enjoying your life. If anything the devil lets you do in this world is not for your enjoyment, it's for your entrapment. The enemy doesn't care if you're happy in this world. The enemy wants to destroy your soul. The enemy doesn't care if you look cute when you're out with your friends. The enemy wants you to be lost. And so there's certain things that the enemy wants to get into our lives that he wants to use as a stronghold against us. So when he attacks, there'll be something on the inside that he can use to overcome us. It is, it's called a shibboleth. All through time, you can study. There's been people, there, there's a whole webpage full of, of, of tests that they would have. There were groups in, in Japan, the Americans would have a certain, certain word that they would have the people that would come and approach their camps. They would make them say the word Lollapalooza because they knew that in that part of the world, the languages didn't have L's. And so they could not say Lollapalooza. And so they would, when somebody approached the Marines in the Philippines or the army in the Philippines and they didn't know who they were, they said, say Lollapalooza. Because they knew the people they were fighting could not make the L sound. It would come out Rarapalooza. It's not a joke. You can read it. It's real. And so they used that. It's the same thing as they did in the Bible when they said, say, Shibboleth. And they couldn't. The the Ephraimites, for some reason, in their dialect, they had never developed the sound of the S-H. And so when they were trying to say Shibboleth, they came out as Sibboleth. 
I was in speech therapy till I was in second grade. I couldn't say my R's and I couldn't say my J's. And so I had, I had a cousin. I had lots of cousins. My dad was the youngest of 14. And my mom was the youngest of six. And all my cousins were mean. And I had a cousin that, that, that he knew I had a speech problem. And so he would ask me to say my name, but he knew I couldn't say John. My J's came out as S-H. I was the opposite of Ephraimites. So when he'd say, when I'd try to say, my name is John, I would be saying, my name is Sean. And so he would call me Sean. And it'd make me so mad I'd want to fight him, but he was 10 years older than me. And he'd say, hey, Sean. I'd get so mad. Because in my mind, I could not hear that I was saying Sean. In my mind, I heard John. My mind had tricked myself into believing that I was saying it right when in reality I wasn't saying anything near right. And so it was that I had, my, my mind was hearing it one way, but my mouth was saying it a different way. And so it was with the Ephraimites that had infiltrated the Gileadites. They thought they were saying Shibboleth, but the Bible said they could not frame to pronounce it. So when they thought they were saying Shibboleth, they really were saying Sibboleth. And it was that way that the Gibeonites knew that they were infiltrated by the enemy. And so they would say, if, you were, if, if, Devin, if Devin was an Ephraimite and he were to come and I'd say, and I wouldn't know who he was, I'd say, say Shibboleth. Yeah. And if he said Shibboleth, I'd let him go. But if he said Sibboleth, I'd take him down to the river and kill him. 42,000 of the enemy were found among God's people. 42,000 of the enemy that were living among them, that they had in their, in their neighborhoods, in their, in their streets among them, infiltrating into their society knowing that someday when the war breaks out you won't be able to win the battle not because of what we're doing on the outside but because you got too much of us on the inside amen there's too many there's too many Ephraimites inside that you won't be able to win the war because you let too much of your enemy come in you didn't fight. You didn't guard your borders. And you let things come in that you never should have let in. Amen. And so what's happened now is you are at risk because you've let Ephraimites where they're supposed to be Gibeonites. Amen. And so because they could not speak the language right, that's the only way that they were able to identify the enemy is because there was something just a little bit off, just a little bit that somehow deep down they knew that that doesn't sound right. There's something that's not, I know they look, it looks like us, it acts like everything looks okay, but there's something about it that's just a little bit off. And it was the speech that gave them away. 42 let me get down here among you to help wake you up. 
42,000 that didn't belong there. That in the time of battle, as soon as the first part of the battle raging, while the enemy's on the outside, the things you let in are stabbing you in the back. While you have your eyes looking out on the front line that's coming your way, the things you've allowed in your life from behind are attacking you, and you can't win the battle. There's some things. Listen, folks, you've got to be careful what you allow into your life. You've got to be very careful what you allow into your spirit. You understand, I'm not talking about people I'm not talking about nationalities. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about spiritual things. Things that we've allowed into our lives that when the enemy comes, he'll have such a hold on us that we won't be able to fight the battle and win the war. We've got to be careful of the infiltrators of the soul. Can I preach to you just a little bit longer? The Ephraimites were able to mimic the Gileadites enough to infiltrate. But the distinctive feature of their speech, you know, when, when uh, I, I try to learn, I do a lot of traveling, I've tried to learn about 10 or 12 different languages, at least enough to survive just a little bit. And in Spanish, people have trouble with the rolling R, you know, the sound. Sound like a boat motor over here. When I, when when I was doing a lot of travel in the in the Middle East and trying to, to I, I go I go to the Middle East and preach every year. I try to learn some basic vocabulary in Arabic, and there's a sound that 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 comes from in here, and it's like a. And and, and in, a, in in English, it sounds like you're sick. Is that, like, you got something stuck, but that's part of their language, and it's a sound that is distinctive, and, and, and I had trouble, I had trouble figuring out how to make those sounds, and so I tried to learn how to say, how are you in Arabic, and every time I would practice it on the students that we knew, that they would smile, and they would, they would give the proper response, you know, fine, how are you in, in Arabic, and so and every time I'd speak to them, they'd, they'd smile, just smirk just a little bit. And I knew something's not right about this. And so I asked one of them, and I said, I said, why is it that every time I ask you all how you're doing, you, you smile at me? And he said, you are an elder. I can't correct you. I'm he said, it's not in our culture to correct an elder. I said, you're not correcting me. I'm asking you to help. He said, I can't do it. I said, I am, then in that case, I am demanding that you tell me. He said, well, you're not saying it right. You're supposed to say kef halak, means how are you. I was saying kef halak, which means how is your uncle. <laughs> There's a lot of healthy uncles in the Middle East right now. Because <laughs> I didn't know how to frame the sound. It, I, 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 I was an infiltrator. I didn't know how to make that sound. And so we have to be careful when we're talking about spiritual things. we got to make sure that, that we don't allow the enemy to get things into our spirit that don't belong in our spirit. Hallelujah. They could not say shibboleth. And so try as they might, it always came out 
Sibboleth. They began to go through the entire clan and ask them, say Shibboleth. And everyone who could not frame the words to pronounce it were executed. Can I just be real this morning? Let me go ahead and cut a few minutes out of this sermon and let me just say that most of us know the devil wants things in our life to distract us and weaken us and cause us to lose our spiritual direction. They're Ephraimites within our soul. We try to justify that it's no big deal. It doesn't really matter. But I'm telling you today, it is a sibboleth in your soul. The truth is that we know that it doesn't make the right sound to our heart. Can I, am I preaching anybody? That there's some things in your life that deep down you know they don't belong. You know that you shouldn't do it. You know you shouldn't go there, watch that, click on that website, listen to that. Come on. We're, our kids are out in Sunday school. We're old enough here to talk that way, right? There's some stuff that you let in your life that you know good and well has no place in the life of an apostolic. And you let it in. And you let it in. But you got to be careful because when the enemy comes knocking, there might be so much of the enemy on the inside of you that no matter what you do, you'll lose the war. We need to get the sibboleth out of our life and out of our spirit. Am I preaching anybody that knows that you're tolerating things that you should not tolerate? In your walk with God. Can a pastor still preach holiness in 2022? Can I still preach that we're not like the world? We're not like everything in this world. There's some things that just doesn't sound right in the ear of an apostolic Christian. I'm telling us, I'm calling on it in summertime. Amen. The devil gives you all kinds of excuses in summer to drop your holiness standard. It's hot, it's this, it's that. It's all a sibboleth, my brothers and sisters. What it is is an attempt to get you infiltrated by the enemy to the point that when the battle comes, there's so much of the world on the inside that you don't have enough battle to fight on the outside. It's a sibboleth, and we need to get the sibboleths out of our spirit. Come on, somebody, you know I'm preaching the truth to you. You know there's something that's just not quite right about it. Stand with me. I'm not done, but I'm done. First John 4 and 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. I can't just allow anything in my life. I can't just let anything into my spirit. I got to be saved, folks. We preach to our good apostolic young men and young women. Bishop Wilson, I don't know that I've ever seen a better group of young people that that wanted to live for God. And work for God and do something for God. Amen. I'm, I'm talking about 
young people that want to do something. I, I don't, I'm not talking about just church kids that show up and clap their hands and go home. I'm talking about kids that want to make, really make a difference with their life. They're here all day long. They're here every night. They might be practicing music, goofing off, laughing, but at least they're here. Amen. Want to live for God. Let me tell you, there's some things the enemy would like to infiltrate your spirit with. That if he could just get a little bit inside of your heart. There's not a lot of difference between Sibboleth and Shibboleth. Just a tiny little bit. Just a little bit. But it's just enough to let you know that something's not right. If you have to lower any part of your personal standard to get somebody to date you, that person is not dating material. You'd be better off dying old and alone than going to hell with some pretty cute little thing that don't want to be faithful and serve God and live for God. Can I preach to you a little while? And that's not only for teenagers. That goes for senior, for, for single 20-somethings and 30-somethings and 40-somethings and 50-somethings and 60-somethings. And beyond that, my God, just forget it. God, help me. To not let things infiltrate my mind and my spirit. Attitudes to get into my spirit. God, don't let me borrow somebody else's bad spirit. If they're going to have one, don't let me let it become a sibboleth to me. God, if everybody in my friend circle wants to look like the world, give me enough grit to not let it become a sibboleth in my life. If all my circle of friends is getting unfaithful, then God, don't let me let it be a sibboleth in my life. Don't let me have an infiltrator in my spirit, God. Why don't you lift your hands all over this house this morning? God, help me, Lord. God, these are great people. You know that, Lord. You called them out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, you brought them here. By your divine providence, you've given us the privilege of being in the spiritual family together. God, I pray that you help us not to let sibboleths into our spirit. The race is almost over. The world is turning upside down. The prophecies are being fulfilled. I don't have time to lose my walk with you. I don't have time to be thrown off by petty things in this world. I can't let infiltrators get into my mind and spirit and make me feel like it's just not worth it living God, help me to break out of the cycle of up and down. 
up and down that the book of Judges had. Help me, Lord Jesus. Come on, i got to be saved. What I'm preaching this morning is just a sense of urgency to make sure that we keep ourselves where we need to be. I know, look, we're, we're so used to reaching for, for lost people, and thank God we always have guests. And I, and I hope we baptize people this morning. We ought to in Jesus' name. It ought to happen this morning. But just because we're preaching to sinners doesn't mean that we give ourselves the latitude to let our walk with God. The reason we're having revival is because we got people that are willing to live holy in an unholy world and serve God in a time of trouble. That's why we got to make sure we keep ourselves where we need to be. I don't need to have a sibboleth in my life. I don't need an infiltrator in my soul. Your hands are up all over this place. Thank you for coming to the altar already. The altar's open to anybody that you feel like the Lord's dealing with you. Look, we know, we know when there's some things. If we're right with God, we know when there's some things in our life that just don't belong there. You ought to bring it to the altar right now. You ought to bring it to the altar right now and say, God, I just want to make sure that I have the sibboleth out of my life. God, I just want you to help me, Lord, to keep my spirit right, to keep my heart right, to keep my hands pure. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, it's time to pray all over this house. I don't want the enemy to have so much inside of me that I lose the battle because of the infiltrators of my soul. God, I pray, come on, let's gather around the altar. There's some more that ought to be here. You know God's dealing with you. I knew from my prayer meeting this morning who I was preaching to. God, I pray for the drawing of your spirit. God, I pray for the stirring of the spirit. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the Holy Ghost to grip our hearts. That's right, young man. The hand of God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Hallelujah. Oh, that's right. This is time. It's time to pray. It's time to seek God. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to search our hearts.
Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes, we turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast out, we cast out our idols. Give us
being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ is the best decision you can make in your life. Because when you get baptized in His name, all your past is washed away. Every sin, every mistake, every fault, every failure is washed away in the blood of the Lamb. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, the Lord forgives you of every sin. And He said, I will forgive their sins and I will remember them no more. When you come up out of the water, you become a new creature. Behold, all things are made new and old things are passed away. That's what happens when you get baptized in the name of Jesus. And, and, and don't let that one person be the only one that gets baptized today. God's pulling at somebody else today. God is pulling at some others today. God wants to wash you clean. God wants to take out everything that's in your life that's not right. God wants to remove that infiltration of the enemy. He wants to remove it out of your life. And it will happen today as you get baptized in the mighty name of Jesus. If that is you today, I want you to find somebody beside you. Whoever you came to church with, if you find a minister, go and talk to them and say, I want to be baptized right now. I want to be changed right now. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I'm telling you, there's life change in this place. There's a life change in this place right now. Lift your hands all over the room right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the cleansing and the washing of your word, oh God. Hallelujah. God, remove everything that's not right in us. Remove everything that's not pleasing to you, God. Remove everything that's not like unto you, O God. In the name of Jesus, wash us and cleanse us. Create in us a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within us. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and pray right now. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray a prayer of repentance. Let's make sure we got it out of our hearts. Come on, come on, come on. Search me, O Lord, and know me. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting right now, God. Oh, have mercy on me, my Lord, my God. Oh, according to your loving kindness, have mercy on me right now. And wash away every sin. Wash away every stain, God. I repent of every sin right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Are you thankful for the word this morning? If you're thankful for the word, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for coming and speaking right where we are. Amen. Amen. One more time. If you need to be baptized right now is the opportunity. Don't wait. Don't say, well, I'll do it next week. I'll do it tonight. I'll do it in a month from now when I can get some people to come with me. I or when I get some things taken care of. No, 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 no. Baptism will take care of those things. You don't, you don't go try to get things fixed and then get baptized. You need to get baptized so you can get things fixed. Amen. 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 Somebody say amen. Amen. Remember first steps today immediately after church. As soon as I dismiss, you can make your way out there. And we're going to have free lunch and, and, and do a little uh, lesson with you. And we'd be glad to have all of our guests and new members there. You can be dismissed today in the name of Jesus. Remember church tonight at 6.30. Production team meeting at 4.15.